This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know the new year and resolutions go hand in hand? On today's show, we're going to outline some ways to give your retirement accounts a financial workout. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin is a fiduciary. He's an investment advisor representative at Silverleaf Financial, uh, where he has been helping folks for more than 30 years in this business. Silverleaffinancial.com is the website. I encourage you to check that out as well. Uh, hi, Kevin. How's things? Is awesome. Welcome to 2022. Happy New Year. Everybody. Yeah, Happy New Year. I mean, again, and uh, so how, let me. I'll just start this by by asking. So, how are you feeling about 2022? You feeling good about it? Are you feeling optimistic? <laughs> you, you know, that feels a little bit like a loaded question, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I am I am feeling optimistic, even though the last few days in the markets, you know, have uh, have been pretty, uh, you know, more downside than up. I'm I'm feeling optimistic. I think the reason why you know the Fed is going to be doing what they're what they're doing is because the economy is actually on very strong ground. So, and, and that should bode well for the stock market. And so as we start to look at this, you talk about a financial workout. Um, <laughs> you know, I think we all sort of make that New Year's resolution. Yeah, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to lose money. I'm going to eat oh, better yeah. and do all that. But I mean, again, but the financial workout. So let's uh, let's dig in. Let's uh, let's make break a sweat. How about it? Hey, oh, you know what? I think it, I think it's great. You know, you, you got to break a sweat if you want to get in good shape physically. Right. You got to work out. You got to stick with it. You got to be disciplined. Right. And do it consistently. And if you really want to be in good shape physically, and you know what, those same rules apply, the same strategies apply to a financial workout and being in good shape financially. You got to sure. do it consistently, right? You got to be disciplined. You got to stick with it. Um, and you got to pay and you got to, you know, monitor and reevaluate when necessary. And so I think, you know, the end of the year or the beginning of a new year, you know, is a good time. A lot of people are, are, are doing resolutions. Um, I personally have kind of given up on resolutions. <laughs> I did them in the past. Um, but I, I call, I'm more for what I call lifestyle changes. And, um, cause I think a lot of resolutions get, uh, get kind of blown off in about six weeks or so. Oh, they do. Um, <laughs> y- you know, and the gym but, membership rolls on and you're never there. It's, it's the same thing with the gym membership. You see, you, you see a lot of new faces for those first four five, six weeks. Exactly. Uh, you know, but then they kind of disappear after that. Yep. And so, so what I'm going to encourage everybody to do is to look, think of it as a life. It's a lifestyle, right? Physical fitness is a lifestyle. Financial fitness is a lifestyle. And, and that means it's something you, you do day in and day out, month in and month out. And, and the first thing you want to know when you're looking at retirement is you want, you want to understand those lifestyle expenses, right? You want to know how much you're spending to give you an accurate idea of what you're going to need. And so what we suggest is tracking your expenses uh, for at least a year, if not a few years. And if, if you're a person that sticks to a budget and you've got the budget, you know the numbers, then fantastic. Good job on that. And, and, and that's what, but that's where we're going to start. Right. We're going to start with where your expenses at. And then we're going to look at your individual balance sheets, you know, your, your assets and your liabilities. And then we want to see what cash flow you have coming in to pay your expenses in retirement. And uh, but the first thing to do is understand those expenses. And again, by, by doing that, it's it's just a it just gives us a like you said, it's a mindset that, OK, these are the things that I know I'm going to spend. And especially as you get closer and or into retirement, that becomes a critical piece of the puzzle, doesn't it? 
Oh, no. Yeah, no question. I mean, can you imagine if you if you cut it too close? In other words, let's say you're, you know, the amount of money that you're bringing in every month is just, you know, slightly over the amount of money you're spending in expenses. What happens if you get hit with inflation like we saw this year? Right. Yeah. Where, where, where everything goes up, you know, in, in price. You know, some of them have gone up, what, 10, 20, 30 percent, depending on what you're looking at. Um, and I doubt seriously those prices are going to go back down to where they were. Hopefully they won't keep on increasing as fast. Uh, but the fact is you've lost spending power, right? If, you're, if your income hasn't increased the same amount as inflation, then you've lost spending power, right? So in other words, if inflation is up 10% and your income is up 5%, you just lost 5% of your spending power, right? And so what we want to make sure of is that you don't forget expenses. Don't, don't skip over any expenses when you're looking at it. You know, so remember all the insurance policies you have, your auto insurance, your homeowner's insurance, and, and look at, you know, make sure you include taxes, real estate, property taxes, if you have HOAs, some people have monthly HOAs as well as quarterly HOAs. And so we want to, we want to look at everything, every single thing. I want to include it. Uh, and I also want to include all of your discretionary expenses. So if you like going you know, bowling or going to the movies or going out to dinner or you like to travel, we want to put all that into the budget. Make sure you get the money to do it so you can have the retirement you want. And that really, it, it just, you make it sound so simple, Kevin, and I guess in reality it is. But, you know, you said it too. It, we've got to have the discipline to make it happen. It, it, that's right. That's right. And it does. And you know, a lot of things in life, I'm going to say a lot of things can, can be considered simple, but it doesn't mean they're easy. True. And, and you know, it's, yeah, you can look at it and say, oh yeah, I can, I can. But the, the fact is, I don't know if it's lack of inertia, I call it sometimes. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's just easier to sit down and watch, you know, watch Netflix than it is to go pull out all, all of your, ex, you know, all of your investment reports and, and all of your accounts and go through a budget, right? Yes. It's just not, it's most people don't think of it as a good time. And, but I'll tell you what, guys, you know, what is a good time is doing a good job and paying attention to all these things and then getting to a retirement that you have all the money you need. That's a good time. All right. And, and, and that's, and I tell my wife, I say, you know, I get so excited when we save money because I'm that much closer. You know, if she could save some money, whatever she's, you know, at the grocery store or wherever she's spending it, every dollar we, we can save and we can avoid spending is an extra dollar I put towards retirement. And I'm Crystal, I, I am laser focused on it for myself as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that we want to take, make, make sure we're looking at all the expenses so you're not forgetting anything. And then we want to look at how the expenses can change, right? Because one thing I'm looking forward to personally, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 57. Okay. Right? I'm 50. Yeah, I'm 57. <laughs> okay. A check. And so, yeah, I just want to double check here. But yes, that's how old I am. Uh, it's me and my wife on my health insurance plan. And the premium is $1,400 a month for a $6,500 deductible per person. Whoa. Okay. So that's how much my insurance costs. But, uh, and I tell people I would love to be able to get on Medicare. I wish they would lower the enrollment age because Medicare for a 65 year old is far, far less expensive. It's about a third of, of what I'm paying as a 57 year old. And so one thing I'm looking forward to is that my health insurance costs are going to actually go down when I, when I retire. And, and so, um, you know, and that's with the plan to sign up for Medicare, right? When I become eligible, I also intend to sign up for a Medicare supplement plan um, to offset, you know, the, the out-of-pocket money, the deductibles, things like that. Um, but all in, I think right now, I, I think a couple right now might be in the six to $700 range. Um, and, and that's, I'm being actually generous on the amount. I believe it's going to be less than that, but nonetheless, it's important to know the numbers that you're going to, that you're going to have to uh, be prepared for. Right. Yeah. And again, but again, that, that almost is, you, when you talk about that, it's almost half of what you're paying now. It is. And that's, and, and by the way, what I'm saying, if you have, you know, if you've got Medicare part A and B and you've got a Medicare supplement plan that covers, 
uh, what I just mentioned, there are, plan- there are a bunch of different plans, as you guys might know, uh, different letters that the government came up with. And, but, but, but the best ones cover virtually all of your out-of-pocket money, you know, like your copay, it covers the deductible, things like that. So in other words, if you have those in place, you've got Medicare Part A, Part B, and you've got a supplement that covers your out-of-pocket expenses, that means you don't have any additional medical expenses because it's all covered by your insurance. Okay, so for me, the $1,400 a month, I've got a $13,000 deductible between my wife and myself. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so for less than half of that amount of money, people on Medicare, okay, have nothing. They, if you have that supplement plan that I just mentioned, you don't have that $13,000 out of pocket, right? Right. So it's not just, it's not just the premium. It's the out of pocket when you have a medical issue, right? And, and so I think Medicare is a fantastic program. I, I would love to be able to get on it right now. I keep hoping they'll lower the eligibility age. Um, you know, but, uh, the medic, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks that make a good living tied to the industry that don't want to lower those ages. Right. But that has been in discussion. I mean, I've read several stories about it over the last year or two. It, yeah, no question. And if you think about it, if they would lower it, they've talked about lowering it to like maybe 62 or maybe to 60. Some people have gone even lower, but I I would just say, you know, how how about 57? How about 57? Yeah. (laughs) It's a great year. I'll just say, it was a great, right. I'm sold. Sold. You know, you know what the thing is, if you bring in younger people into the program from an actuarial standpoint, that's going to lower the risk of the Medicare program. Right. Right. Yes. You bring in younger people, it should lower the risk of the program, it, which is a benefit to the Medicare program. Right. Yes. So so that's why I, I, I you know, I really wish we could isolate the senators uh, and the representatives that vote against these things. And force them to actually answer the question instead of ducking around it and you know going on to a different topic and doing all the political things they do. Um, because <laughs> really, luck. why would right? Why? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't the pilot, why wouldn't they want us to do it? And unfortunately, the answer that I get when I look at it, um, it, it's because they get a ton of money from the pharmaceutical industry, from medical industry, from the AMA, uh, in terms of contributions to the political campaigns. Sure. Kind of like kind of like Kristen Cinema is getting contributions from Republicans, even though she's a Democratic, supposedly a Democratic representative. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, you anyway. Need to follow, follow the money. Follow, follow the, money. the well. That's always what you need to do. And speaking of following the money, we got to follow our money that uh, we got to pay to Uncle Sam. Uh, it's yes. tax time. I mean, it's always tax time in retirement. But uh, you know, April is around the corner. Well, a couple three months, but uh, yeah. still, it's good to get ready for that. And especially in retirement, we need to be able to mitigate as much as we can. We pay what we owe, but not any more than that. Don't pay a penny more, right? Why, why pay a penny more? And, and you know what? This is a really good time. The beginning of the year, you know, January, right? Um, is, is a great time in terms of looking at taxes. Look, let's look, let's talk about strategies for a minute about how you can reduce your taxes. A great way to do it. If you're able to, if you're eligible to set up a health savings account, uh, an HSA account is something that uh, actually, I want to say, I think it was Kiplinger Magazine just came out with an article saying, guess what, guys, this is the best account in the world, which I've been talking about for a long time, anyone that's listened to the show. Uh, because the HSA account, you get a tax deduction for the money you put into it. It grows tax-free as long as you use it for the, your medical expenses, which are very broad-based. Um, you know, and, 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 and it's a triple tax-free account. When you take the money out to pay those medical expenses, you don't pay tax on it then either. So it's the only account that is tax-free all the way around well, because the Roth, right? The Roth you paid taxes putting it in and the IRA you pay taxes when it comes out. Well, so when, so you've made sense here, just uh, not that you don't always, but it really kind of struck a chord with me with the HSA 
you you can fund that. I mean, you've got until April, right? That you can fund yes. it for the previous year. But if you for do the, if you do it now, right. you could make some money yes. between now and then. Yes, and that's and that's right where I was going, Steve. I appreciate that. The the in, instead of what I'd like, you know, let's try to change the orientation. If you're a person that has waited typically until you file your tax return, you know, let's say to make a contribution to your IRA or the same thing like Steve just mentioned to make a contribution to the HSA. If you waited to do that, like if you waited until April of this year to do it for your 2021 tax return, you know, what if you had done that in January of 21 instead of April of 22? You've had an extra 13 or 14 months of potential growth that you could have because you had that money invested. Even if it was in a fixed interest account, you'd have, you know, it's going to be worth more now than it would if you waited 13 or 14 months, right? Right. So, so I think something, a real good habit that somebody could get into is putting their money into their IRA and their HSA and these accounts, put it in, in January, right when you become eligible. Like I'm, I'm funding my HSA right now uh, for 2022. And, uh, and I think to me, that's the smartest way to do it because it gives you the most time uh, to do it. One thing about an HSA, once you turn 65, um, the L, you're, you're no longer eligible. So this is an account that you need to take advantage of in your younger years, um, and then it will grow tax-free right? And what I'm doing with myself and my wife, all of our medical bills, you know, that, that I've had, which have been significant lately, um, I'm paying out of pocket. And what I'm doing is the reason I'm doing that, even though I've got the money in the HSA is because it's going to, by doing that, I can let it keep on growing tax-free, right? Mm -hmm. And, and so what, what you can do, and a lot of people don't know this, what you can do is pay the medical bill out of pocket, right? Make sure you keep all your records, all your statements, your invoices, proof that you had that medical bill, right? Because you're going to need to hold on to them for what could be 10, 15, 20 years. But then what the government lets you do or allows you to do is you can actually pay yourself back all of those expenses that accrued for the previous 10, 15, 20. It could be 30 or 40 years. Cut it off, really? Yeah, if you're in your 20s and you're listening and you can set up an HSA, you really owe it to yourself to do it. Okay. The younger you are, the better, because you get all that tax-free growth for, could be for decades. Right. Yeah, and yeah. yes. And yes, as of right now, there is no limit on what we call the look back. So there's no limit on how far you can look back, but it, it just has to be, it has to be a qualified medical expense, which can mean a number of things. It includes dental it includes chiropractic. It includes vision and hearing, uh, obviously doctor visits. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. It is a very long list. And the other thing about it, just to remember, if somebody says, well, what if I never need it for all, then all those medical? Because I'm in, I'm in good health. I say, well, I chuckle a little bit and I say, that's fantastic. I, I hope you stay in really good health. And you know what happens, guys, if you don't use the money for a health expense, you just pay tax on it, right? Yeah. Do you know what else, what else is that like? An IRA. It's just like an IRA. You got a tax deduction putting it in, it grew tax deferred, you take it out, you spend tax on it. So if you don't use it for medical expense, it's just as good as an IRA, right? Yes. You, get, you got the deduction, it grew tax deferred. It's the same thing. From a tax standpoint, it's the exact same thing. So my opinion and my recommendation, if you're eligible, you have to be, you have to have a uh, medical insurance plan, right? That is HSA eligible is the very first step. Okay. And, uh, but if you have that HSA eligible plan, I would strongly suggest take a look at it. Now it's not right for everybody because there are higher deductibles than, than some people might like, um, you know, but I'm, I'm encouraging you to look into it and see if it might benefit you because what I'm doing, I can, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of Roth IRA accounts and I'm a fan of HSA accounts, uh, whether it's through conversion or contribution for the Roth. But if you can wind up in retirement with some buckets of tax-free money, 
then I'll tell you my strategy is I'm going to be designating a, a year, two years, three, four, five years, who knows how many years, that the only income I'm going to take is going to be coming from my tax-free accounts. And so at least in the years that I do that, my social security will not be taxable either. All right. But you can't make very much money over and above your social security on a taxable basis or, or it becomes taxable. Uh, and it's not huge money, but it'll probably save four or $5,000 a year. So that's real so, money. <laughs> I think it's real money. I think it's a little vacation, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely it is, or whatever you want to do with it. But it's, it, it's money that you can save that you don't have to spend in taxes. So I'm always a big fan of that. And, and tax-free, those are two of my favorite words. Well, and again, I, I worked for an employer, this is several many years ago, but, but I had an HSA and that, that company would fund it to the tune of, I don't know, five or $600 a year just because. And yeah. then I would oh, yeah. contribute to it as well. But again, nice. that, I mean, that's kind of like a match, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it is. You know what? If, and I've got, I've got some other clients that the companies do the same thing. And that's fantastic. That's free money. Yeah. And, and by all means, take advantage of it. Um, you know, to me, the, the best thing you can do is let the HSA, just like a Roth or your other, your tax-free accounts, let them grow and let them grow. You know, my plan is to not touch it until I'm in my seventies. Um, and, and, and then I'm going to be strategic about it in terms of, you know, managing, um, you know, creating the retirement paycheck, if you will, but doing it on a very tax wise basis, you know, and I'm, and I, Maybe, I guess if you're the, the, the what the billionaire that's got, the, you know, I can't think of the guy's name. He's got like, I don't know, half a billion dollars in a Roth IRA. Oh, yeah. Peter uh, Thiel. Peter Thiel. That's it. Yeah, PayPal, right? It was PayPal. Yeah, PayPal. He founded PayPal um, or found, you know, I think it was founder stock. And, and so I don't know if you guys know, but a lot of these companies, when they go public, the, the owners of the companies, you can kind of choose what you, you know, how much, how many shares you want. It's like monopoly money. And they can give themselves, you know, like a couple billion shares at, let's say, a tenth of a penny or something. And so then all it does, it goes to a dollar and they made a fortune. And so, so Peter Thiel did that with founding stock of PayPal. And he's probably got the biggest Roth IRA probably in the world. Probably. Um, you know, but unless you're, you know, half, of, I think it was four or 500 million, something like that. Something like that. Um, yeah, it was incredible. It's incredible. Um, but, but unless, you know, unless you're Peter Thiel, you probably can't fund your entire retirement from your Roth IRA. <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be beautiful if you could? Oh, um, wouldn't it? You know, but nonetheless, but you can probably put away enough, you know, let's say you save 150, 200,000. That's probably good for at least three or four years, I would think. Oh, gosh, uh, yeah. You, you know, depending on your lifestyle, right? And uh, and then in those years, just take income from tax-free accounts. And, the, and in those years, if, if um, as long as the rules don't change, then that should still allow your Social Security to be non-taxed, which I, is a nice little bonus. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. 
He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. Your growth fair in 2021. Uh, you know what? I appreciate you bringing that up. Yes, I was, I was. It fared really well. It fared very well. In fact, we beat the market by several percentage points. You beat um, the market. Yes, beat the, the S and P. Actually, we beat all the market. We okay. We beat the S and P 500. We beat the Dow. We beat Nasdaq, and we beat the Russell 2000. So I'm going to say that's beating the market. That beats the market all across the board. Yeah. All right. All the indexes. I believe the highest performing index was the S and P 500 with a gain of I want to say 27. percent uh, pure pure growth finished with a gain of thirty five point zero seven percent. So wow! And this was th- and this was a full year this time, right? This was the full year, the calendar, yeah, the calendar year, year. Yeah. Yes, January first to December thirty first. Um, you know, and I'm happy to show the results and show the activity that that uh, that we that we engaged in in order to get this return. Uh, what I'm, what I'm trying to show everybody, just to give a recap, if somebody hasn't listened before, uh, th- this is a managed account. That what I'm doing is I'm using a stock selection strategy that 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 I've developed, and really what I've done uh, is it's a rules-based strategy that I've essentially copied from some of the most exce- most successful investors out there, guys like Warren Buffett and uh, Peter Lynch from Fidelity Magellan Fund back in I think the 80s or 90s, and um, William O'Neill, the founders of founder of Investors Business Daily, and 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 there we call it a rules-based approach because it's a set of parameters or rules, right? So that they look at and a company has to screen, you know, you can, when you're searching for a stock, you screen stocks, right? In other words, you, you put in these criteria and all the companies that meet the criteria will kind of come out through, come through a funnel and you have your answers. So these are the companies that, you know, their earnings are growing, the revenues are growing, whatever it is you're measuring. Um, but it's something that's objective. In other words, it takes the emotion out of a decision. There's no hunch, uh, you know, there's no theme there. It, it's, it's not, based on anything other than objective rules that were that, like I said, I've, I've copied those guys. These are strategies that when you back test it, it back tests it over 25% a year going back, going back uh, actually 30 years. And so what I did is I took it live about a year and a half ago. And, and that's the strategy that I'm using. It's concentrated. It's only between five and 10 stocks. And I'm doing that again, because I'm trying to show I've got a good method for choosing stocks. It doesn't mean I'm right every time because I'm actually right about two times out of three. In other words, one time out of three so far, that's when I'm, the win rate is about two thirds. Okay. Uh, but that seems, that seems really good. Um, you know what? I, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> you know, I really, I'm saying, why can't I, I want to get to three out of four. Um, but it, <laughs> sure you, do. you know, but, but I always say to myself, you know what, if I was, if we were playing baseball and you're hitting two out of three, you know, you're way past the hall of fame. Oh yeah. Um, you, you know, I think one out of three, you'd be in the hall of fame. Um, you know, but nonetheless, the investing space, the key though, is that you've got to limit your losses. And so what I do, this is a trading strategy. And again, what I'm trying to show is that I've got a, a good way to choose a stock and a good way to determine a good entry point. And, and, uh, and that's so, so what I, when I see something going against me, in other words, if I'm wrong, I want to pull the plug pretty fast. Uh, and, uh, you know, so this is just, again, to demonstrate the effectiveness of the stock selection strategy. Um, this isn't a portfolio that I'm saying somebody should you know, put all your money into, but I do have clients that have put a piece of it, you know, maybe 5% or 10% or whatever it might be. Um, but it's a small percentage because yeah. it's, an aggr- it's an aggressive account and it can easily move 5% in one day. So, 
but so far we're so far we're doing really well. We finished the year, as I said, just over thirty five percent net return, and um, and I'm happy to show anybody that's interested any of the picks, the stocks uh, that we've been involved with, and um, you know, and, and answer any questions you might have. 800-975-6717 is how you can get some answers there. Just give us a call, 800-975-6717. You can also reach uh, Kevin by uh, on the website at silverleaffinancial.com. And uh, so uh, what, what's catching your eye these days in, in, the, in pure growth? Have you got anything that, that you've bought recently? The oh, Well, I, I bought, um, well, actually, Palo Alto Networks was a, was a big winner today. Uh, I was down on it. It, it uh, P A N W is a symbol. Uh, it's a cybersecurity firm. Okay. So that that's one. And then uh, Zim Shipping, uh, Z I M is the ticker symbol. Uh, it's got a beautiful dividend, by the way, um, and which I only expect to be temporary. Uh, in other words, some of these companies pay out high dividends, but it's but it fluctuates. So so those are a, those are a few that um, that I've gotten involved with lately. Okay. And, you know, and there and there's some others. You know, some of the home builders actually look interesting to me. With with rates rising in the last few days, you know, they got beat up a little bit. But like Toll Brothers is one I've been eyeballing too. Oh sure, I mean, there's a just a billion de- you know developments that are Toll Brothers. Oh, I mean, no they're question. everywhere. They're, they are, and they're they're very widely known, very well respected, well regarded builder. That one looks good to me. Um, you know, and uh, the other thing I'm looking at is value. You know, if you look at, for instance, uh, um, mid cap value stocks, we're up today. And we're in a, in a down market, right? The indexes were down today. I mean, gold and silver got hit over 2% today, um, you know, but mid cap value is something I've been nibbling away at. And, um, and that's something, that's something that uh, actually had a nice day today. Uh, one of them that I use, I, this is, and this isn't an individual stock. This is a, you know, a VOE. It's a Vanguard mid cap value index, uh, but it's been, it's been doing pretty well. And that's, that, that's one that I think has, it looks very attractive too. And so let me ask you this. So you said between five and 10 stocks, do you have anything in that portfolio in the in pure growth that you've had since day one or has everything turned over? Oh, no. <laughs> um, that's a good question. And, and uh, everything has turned over. Wow. There's okay. Nothing that has been, been in there. I, I do have other strategies. You know, there's certainly, um, this isn't a strategy that necessarily, that it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. If somebody says like one of my clients, she says, you know what, I'd, I'd rather you don't do so much trading. And I said, okay, that, that, that's perfectly fine. I said, um, I, can, I can adapt. And so this is a strategy. Typically, the holds, the holds in this impure growth were really more like one to two months. Um, hmm. they're, they're short term. And so we do this in an IRA account or a Roth IRA account or for what it's worth in HSA. We were talking before about HSA accounts. Sure. Guys, you, you can invest that money just like in your IRA or 401k. I should say IRA because you've got more choices. Um, you know, so you can buy stocks. In other words, you can invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange traded funds in an HSA. That's something I could manage for you if you're interested. Um, you know, but uh, but typically the holding in period growth, is, as I said, I wanted to demonstrate that I can that I can uh, that I have a good entry point. I can figure out when a good time to buy um, and that that these are stocks that are going to show pretty fast activity. Um, the, it wasn't designed. You know, a lot of times you'll hear brokers say, oh, just hold on. We're long term investors. And, and usually they say that when they're down, it's usually down, right? You're yeah. down on something. You say, oh, it's okay, Mr. Jones, let's just hold on. We know it's going to come up. They're going to do A, B, and C. Let's just hold on. And a lot of times that'll work, that could work out perfectly fine. The market does, after all, seem to go on to new highs all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that might work out. That just, that wasn't this strategy. And, and, and that's, um, you know, so 
I do have, you know, a lot of the investing that I do is long-term, like a lot of the funds, I buy mutual funds and exchange traded funds. Those would be longer term holds several years. Sure. Uh, and what I do is then I'm more tactical with the stocks. Those could be shorter term or longer term, but, but this strategy, uh, I, I don't like to see anything. If, if it turns into an eight or 9% loss, I'm really close. I'm going to be pulling the trigger. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for it to even get a double digit loss. Uh, because if you're able to keep your losses to single digits and then you hold on to the winners and let them grow 30, 40, 50%, you know, uh, that's, that's how the portfolio has performed. You know, one of our biggest winners last year was Louisiana Pacific, the symbols LPX. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was one that did fantastic. And, uh, you know, so there, there's been a lot of them. I'm happy to give you guys the details. I can show you every single trade, the date, the price, everything we bought and sold if you're interested. Uh, just feel free to reach out. I'm happy to give that to you. 800-975-6717. That's the number. And uh, really, it's a fascinating story with pure growth. And, and it's been fun to follow it along with you uh, because, I mean, you're the, you know, you're the the impetus behind it all. And, uh, you know, it seems like you've, you've found some great strategies. It seems like you're, I mean, you know, I'm glad, you know, you've got 30 plus years doing this. And I think that that becomes a real payoff for, you know, the, the fund and obviously it, for your clients. Yes, it does. I, I appreciate that, Steve. And, and, and yes, and, and it, uh, you know, and they're, they're obviously they're very, <laughs> they're thrilled, but they also understand, you know, that um, these things can go up, they go up and down. And, and one thing that with this portfolio, we'll have months where we're doing fantastic, seeing double digit gains, and we'll have other months where we're seeing double digit losses. And so it's, it's a double edged sword, right? And, and so that's the thing about when you, when you start looking for growth like this, 30, 35%, um, you have to, you have to realize that there's going to be a big chance for losses too. And, and so it's something that come, they, it just goes hand in hand. Sure. Uh, now going into 2022, that's a big question, Mark, because you know, a lot of the stocks that I've done well with are small and mid cap stocks. Um, some of them are big, like one of my holdings is Google, which had a fantastic year. Of course. Um, you know, that's personally not, that's, that's a personal holding, not right. in that account. Um, but, but nonetheless, there's, you know, the more risk you're, you're, the bigger reward you're looking for, obviously you got to take a little more risk, but you know what I like to do? I like to, I call it a bucket approach. I like to have some assets that are designated for high growth uh, and some assets designated for safety, you know, and, and depending on a person's, you know, how much risk they want to take and what their time frame is and uh, their, their personal goals and objectives, that's what's going to determine where we are on that risk spectrum. So <laughs> I noticed you never uh, you sort of dabble in crypto. What do you think about cryptocurrency? I mean, you've <laughs> got to be getting more questions in the last three months on crypto than than you have since it began, what, four or five years ago? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, there, there's no question because it's much more in the, it's much more in the news and in the spotlight. You know, right. I mean, like like on, on the business channel, you know, on CNBC, they're, they're, t they, they're quoting Bitcoin virtually as often as they're quoting the S&P. <laughs> and. You know, and that never was the case, you know, until maybe a year ago. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I personally think, I, I think if somebody's interested in it and you've got a few dollars, you know, to put into it, a small piece of a portfolio, um, you know, I, I think it might make sense to put it in and forget about it and see what happens maybe over the next five or six, seven years. Um, but I'll tell you what, I don't know if most people realize that there are hundreds and hundreds of cryptocurrencies. The ones in the news, you hear about, everyone's heard about Bitcoin. Of course. Some of us, some, some people have heard about Ripple and Dogecoin and Ethereum and Litecoin, uh, Cardano. And, but guys, there's hundreds and hundreds of these things out there. And my, my thinking is, um, so to me, it's, it's just pure speculation. 
I, I can't I can't just I can't figure out how I can justify a recommendation and come up with any type of price target because what are you basing it on? It's just supply and demand. There's no in other words, there's no earnings. You know, like with the stock, you can look at the earnings, we've got comparisons, we can see how fast the earnings are growing, how fast their sales are growing, are they taking are they increasing market share, things like that. Um, you can see insider, some people use insider activity, you know. Um, but you, but you don't have that, right? With the crypto. No. And, and by the way, for by the way, for what it's worth, that's my opinion about gold too and silver. All right. The I've had, and I've had a lot of those conversations with folks, and I say, well, how do you put a value on it? it, it I mean, what's and and you have more. I guess the scarcity argument comes up with gold and silver, the limited amount. There's supposed to be a scarcity aspect to Bitcoin, but I I personally I'm, I'm just I guess I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I can't I can't tell you exactly how uh, you know why Bitcoin is more valuable than Ethereum. Right. And, and you know, well, the blockchain so, is the blockchain, right? Yeah, the blockchain is the blockchain. And but you know what? I'm I'm I guess I'm old school. I you know, I'm just I'm not ready to embrace it. I did for the record. I don't, if you guys haven't heard before, I was in crypto. I've owned crypto. All the ones I just mentioned, I owned uh, years back in 2017. Oh, wow. Uh, before it was fashionable. Oh, yeah. Believe me, I wish I'd have kept it. I wish I'd have held on to them that whole time. Right. But but what happened with me is I decided to buy a second house. Uh, in 2018. And so I took my money that I had in crypto and I put that with my other money and I bought a second house. Um, you know, so, so sometimes you can't always hold on to them uh, as long as you'd like, but you know, I think that it's important to recognize that there, I think the only thing holding them up is that there's more buyers than there are sellers on a particular day. Now, Bitcoin has started to back off lately. It's, it's down maybe what, 35% or something from its high, I think. Um, you know, so depending on your perspective, it, it could do so. It could be, it could continue to perform very well, you know. But just know that it, it's something that I think you should look at as possibility of losing all your money. So don't put any dollars in there that you can't afford to lose. And then, and as long as you're good with that and you can hold on, uh, I would say for five years, maybe give it a shot, but only with money you can totally afford to lose. Sure, kind of like Vegas, <laughs> right? Exactly. You should it's only exactly. go there with money you can lose. <laughs> you got it, and I, I'll compare it to playing roulette. You know, because I, oh, I, yeah. I don't know, I don't, you know, I think I think your odds are just as good. <laughs> well, roulette, yeah, okay. Well, well we can have a discussion <laughs> there because I said, what a, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a game. I know people love it, but boy, it doesn't seem very good to me. <laughs> no, you, well, with me, it's either black or red. I mean, that's my relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, anyway, number. I yeah. digress. <laughs> so, yeah, well, right. let's. So again, I, I, I'm glad you're feeling good about the year to come, and and uh, we'll certainly keep you. You know, we'll certainly let you keep us posted on pure growth and and what happens there, and and also what what's trending, what what what's going on in the the world of retirement. By all means, by all means, this is what I do. It's what I've been doing every day for 31 years. So. Uh, guys, take a look at your retirement contributions. If you're still working, see if you can up that contribution to the 401k and try putting money in your IRA and your HSA now, as opposed to waiting until April of next year. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions.